Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we're about to record another parent education um, RB coaching podcast. And this time we are discussing touchline behavior. Um, a really interesting topic, to be fair. It's something there's quite a bit of debate about at the moment, actually. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking coaches like Mikhail Arteta. Um, he's been spoken about a lot for their touchline behaviour. So, so really looking forward to getting into this conversation. Um, we've obviously got Coach Matty on the podcast to give us insight, his, his insight. And then the boss, Ryan, who will be leading the discussions today. Um, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all good, mate. Thank you. I'm all good. And Matthew, you, you okay? Yes, good. Thank you, Kieran. Uh, all, all good from my part, yeah. Good. So obviously this is the second um, parent education podcast we've done or we're about to do right so obviously touchline uh, touchline behavior where do you want to start with that i want to start with um making people aware that this this is a really important subject um we as parents sometimes don't realize the impact that we can have on the game and on our child's performance from the touchline now, things that we speak about in this podcast are, you know, we're going we're gonna to look at the perfect parent, the perfect role model on the sideline, the perfect practice. This is how you should behave. However, we know perfection is really, really hard to achieve, virtually impossible. We are all going to have, as parents slip-ups we're all going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time we're all going to behave poorly in certain situations you know but my advice would always be can we learn each time we make a mistake now i've been i've been kind of half teaching this for nearly a decade now and and giving parents advice on touchline behavior and strategies etc and as a parent myself now a parent of a child that's in grassroots all the stuff that i've taught over the 10 years i try and implement but there are times i do go against the grain and i am sometimes disappointed in my own behavior so i'm not perfect and the people listening guys you're not perfect i just wanted to kind of make that clear that we're going to talk about perfect practice but if we can strive to be the best football parent we can be you know, we're only going to have a positive impact. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great way of starting it because, um, like you say, sometimes there's things in games which which probably take you away from that sort of comfort zone of of just enjoying it and, and allowing your kid to enjoy it, isn't there? Yeah, one one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Just just want to ask before we start. Um, I know, obviously, Kieran, you went through the academy system from a very very young age. Mm-hmm. And I know it's different in academy football as such, where parents are a little bit um, less involved than grassroots parents. Kieran, what what was your parents' um, behaviour like? And we're already talking about mid-game now, so as the game's actually going on. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting, actually. Um, I have memories of my dad he used to wear this bright orange coat when he used to watch me play um from the age of 10 up to about 16 he used to wear this bright orange coat so i always knew where he was and anytime i did something in the game my first my first thought would be 
right, have a look, have a look at dad. So he'd, he'd almost kind of say, like, give me like a thumbs up to say, are oh, you doing well? Or if I'd done something bad, I could see he sort of fold his arms or walk away. And it was kind of like, for some reason, I'd, I'd purposely have a look to see what he thought. It was like, um, I was looking to see how, how well I was playing based on my dad's reaction, which, which was strange looking back now, but for some reason you just get into a habit of it. Um, but yeah, I think looking back now, based on when I was, um, younger me and my dad have conversations about how we probably could have handled those sorts of things a little bit better so he, he wasn't a bad parent in terms of how he how he acted on the, on the touchline but I could visibly see when he was annoyed with my performance or when he thought I was having a good performance and that would then affect me in the game does that make sense yeah yeah so that that, that links into body language isn't it we're, we're gonna I think we're gonna touch on that in the, the podcast a little bit later on mm. Mike can I put that question to you just so we can get a different perspective what was old uh, what was old Jimbo like <laughs> no yeah well to be fair I, I don't I had a nice mix growing up in terms of like mum and dad sharing that that taking me to games or whatever so really I had one week it might be an animated dad on the touchline who was you know doing his best to get involved and I, I always feel like his intentions were just to help not just me, it, it would have been, you know, whoever he could within the game. Um, and I never fit, really felt there was a pressure just on me. Um, but, you know, having that contrast from that then to the next week, having my mum take me, who, you know, would probably sit in the car the whole time. Um, all she was worried about was making sure I come off the pitch okay. Um, there was a massive difference. You start to notice sort of maybe distractions that might come from the sideline now what Kieran was saying, and I'll probably ask him the question, you know, did he notice a difference when his dad maybe wasn't there at a game or whatever, for whatever reason, and how it might have affected his performance because of that, um, and not having that distraction from the sideline? And, I, you know, for myself, I definitely, definitely noticed that, even even to this day now, my dad's still there watching. And I know he's sort of slightly changed, but there's still times when I hear something come in my ear for whatever reason, normally for a bad, bad thing, but... Yeah, I just feel like it has a massive effect, especially what you know their demeanour on the sideline, how they are. It's probably it's probably worth me saying it did get to the point that me and my dad fell out quite a bit when I was growing up. That I I actually said to him, "Please don't come and watch me anymore," um, which is sad thinking about it. But it it got to the point where it affected me on the pitch. Um, thankfully, me and my dad get on very well now, so there's no problems with that. But it it is a, it is an important topic, as you can see. Like the last thing you're going to want to do is fall out with with your child over over a game of football. So, no, I, I agree. Just just on my experience, my my dad, he's probably missed a handful of games in my whole life. He, he's he's always been there you know, from a parent and I guess a coach perspective when he was my manager. But whenever I did something well, I'd, I'd always wait for my dad's voice. Mm. as feedback like he'd say oh great pass right I could, I could hear it I, I never had to look at him but I could hear that that booming voice you know uh, and, and that praise ne- never really said anything negative on the side or never showed any negative body language or stuff I just kind of like knew when the praise was coming and my mum my mum was just whatever well, anyone that knows my mum she's um she's a bit of a loony um if I'm honest and she, <laughs> she, 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 she used to make like noises on the sideline like Oh Ryan, oh brilliant Ryan, fantastic Ryan. My, my teammates used to like laugh their head off at my mum's reaction, but I, I could take my mum with a pinch of salt, you know. But it, it was great when she what she was there. But yeah, to, to, uh, <laughs> it was funny. Can I, I just say, from like more of a coaching point of view, I feel like now when you experience player um, parents, and obviously we have to deal with them 
what every every night of the week and we're lucky that our parents are that our sessions are great and that they allow us to get on with things but you know I've, I also feel like I've had experiences where maybe the parents try to overrule the coach and, and maybe getting a different message across and it's not necessarily between right and wrong of who's got the better opinion but sometimes you know for a player it can be really confusing as well when you've got a coach telling you one thing and then maybe your parents or your mum or your dad that are trying to comment and, and might be taking you in a complete other direction with what they're saying um, and it's something that I thought you know what parents are the best things in the world and they're the reason that you know, people get the opportunity to play football first and foremost. But then sometimes it's like knowing your your role as such and making sure you don't over overspill. Mm. Yeah, uh, Matty, mate, one hundred percent. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll speak about that as the uh, podcast develops. But I've, I've I've got a question for you both. Um, you know, we we talk about mid game parenting. Some some people are easily influenced, aren't they? Like some parents are even individuals are easily influenced. Some some more than others. So where you like who you stand with on the sideline could have a could have an effect on the game. So if you if you're next to a parent that has a loud opinion and you know um, you have you might copy their behaviour. You might you know if they're berating the referee, you might join in. So I just want to, you know, open it up and to you two, like, to make people aware that are listening, that, you know, who you stand with could have an effect on your behaviour as a parent. And if you feel like you're standing next to the wrong people at the games and getting influenced, you know, perfect practice would say, well, actually, just step away, step away from that and listen to a different opinion. Because sometimes our opinions can be affected by people that are around us. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. Um, what what else would you say, right? That are things that would stand out in terms of like like you talking about this perfect practice. What else would you say stands out as a as a sort of a, a best way to behave? Well, you know, even things like even things like where you stand. Again, if you feel like you're getting too emotionally involved in the game. Mm-hmm. Step back, step back from the pitch. Go and go and go and take yourself off near the corner flag or up high so you can see. You know. Um, also, if, like for example, if you, if your son or daughter is playing left wing and, and you're constantly right next to them, you know, on the touchline, and you're standing in their space basically and giving them instructions and issuing, you know, for some kids that might help. But for most kids, it probably wouldn't. It might be a little bit off-putting. So sometimes standing in a different position on the on, on the on the line, you know, would be would be beneficial in my opinion. Mm. I think that that will come from sort of trial and error, won't it? In, in understanding what feels comfortable and and who's good influences to be around and who might be a, a bad influence to be around. Um, it's not just going to click into into perfect overnight, is it? No. No, absolutely not. Like I say, everything's trial and error. Mm. But I, I, I've had conversations with many parents over the years that have some of some some have admitted that they play better when they're not there, mm. and and some some have admitted that they only play well when they are there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it's fine. It's it's you know it's fine the balance. You know, some some might play well when a certain relative comes and watches, or you know, it it, it literally is trial and error like like you mentioned Kieran but if, if we talk about like 
if we, if we talk about kind of like communication mm. now from, from a perfect from a perfect practice point of view really and i know how difficult this is having doing it myself week in week out it's the perfect practice is not to say anything you know what i mean by not say anything is not give any technical tactical instructions because again like we mentioned touched on earlier it's about it's about giving the coach trust now regard regardless of what that coach knows and how qualified they are etc etc and what they're experiencing the game that's their team so when they are given information you know right or wrong we should as parents really accept it and it's difficult it's re- it's really really difficult when you think on the sideline that you can make a positive change or you know uh, give an instruction but perfect practice would suggest that we avoid saying any technical and tactical instructions so the question is what what can we say on the sideline as parents well you know the big the big one that i use is the only technical information that i try and give like finley for example would be finley eyes up if i shout eyes up when he's in possession i'm not telling him to pass shoot turn protect it run with it i'm saying to him if you lift your eyes up you've got a better chance of making a better decision whatever that decision you decide that that's that's kind of in my opinion your your choice would, would anyone agree with that yeah, yeah. no I'd, I'd, I'd agree that you're, you're there probably trying to say to him well you, you you're getting away from the fact of trying to talk him through the game yeah and you're you're not having any control as such but you're trying to help him to guide him in, you know into whatever decision he wants to make do you know what I mean? It, it, all yeah. doors still open, whatever he wants to do. But obviously, you're just helping him in a, in a certain way. Yeah. The best best way I can describe it is like a PlayStation game. You got to play. If all the parents had a PlayStation controller on their on their son or daughter, the kids never going to really learn to make their own decision. Mm. So actually, just kind of like you know, saying things like eyes up might give them a bit of you know help. Um, other things like me and Finney have got this one where I shout his name. He looks at me after after a good action, and I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll put my thumbs up and say, Finley, amazing, fantastic. Give him that kind of, give him that praise because you can you can see their their confidence grow when you kind of call their name and give them a thumbs up and give them that kind of positive communication. Whereas sometimes in the past that I might have um, looked at him and shown a negative body language and said, you know come on what was that or something like that and then you can see they're kind of like they get angry and their shoulders dip so again avoiding technical tactical instructions but kind of giving them them positive basic phrases which show that you are there supporting them and that you know you're you're kind of helping them emotionally through the game so my my sort of fight back on that question there then is what if you you think your child isn't performing to the level that they're performing to as as a parent like you say would best practice just be let them figure it out for themselves that well yeah and and it when when your child isn't playing to the level that you know they can Mm. there is nothing more frustrating inside your head inside your head you are um potentially getting angry a little bit or frustrated it, it, it frustrate yeah you're very frustrated but 
you can only control what you can control. Mm. So you can only control, again, your positive reinforcement, your your body language, you know. And when they do look at you, you've got to show no signs of disappointment, which which is which is really really difficult, really difficult. But again, the player needs the confidence. The player needs that support, and they know if they know their parents and and family are giving them support on the sideline. They're gonna they they are gonna play better. I, the I, moment it's I suppose the moment it spirals, the moment it spirals out of control, and you make that one mistake with your body language or your voice or your tone or things that you say, um, it's very difficult to get that player back up. Yeah, and and, and I, I suppose if anything, yeah. I, I probably kind of answered my own question just thinking about it while you're speaking there. If they're not performing to their ability that they know they can play to, it should be the probably the coach's responsibility to try and get it out of them and the player. Yeah, and, and the, the player, player, and the player, and the, of course. But, but the player needs to take ownership of their own, of yeah. their own performance. But that, su- that support from the sideline from, from a parent yeah. is, is huge, isn't it? That's exactly what, what, what the player will be looking for. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, um, and if, if, if we link it to like body language, like, you know, I think it's something like 90% of, 90% of communication is, is nonverbal. You know, so taking into account on the sideline parents how how you stand what what vibe are you giving off what's your face gestures what's your hand gestures you know does your does your words that you say match your actions you know are you smiling clapping are you raising one thumb up are you raising two thumbs up are you clapping above your head or or is it a low clap they all mean different things you know if, if you're disappointed and they turn you they've missed an open goal and your head's in you know, your 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 hands are on your head, or you're turning away, or you you've walked off a little bit. You've got an angry face, or you or you're pointing aggressively. You know, all these things will have an impact on their feedback. Yeah, that they're going to process their own feedback every time they make a mistake. They're going to realise they've made a mistake. They're going to process their own feedback internally, and then their external feedback either comes from their coach or their parent. So when they do seek that external feedback, good or bad, they want to see that you're on their side. You know, and again, it is really, really difficult. Really difficult. Okay? Especially when they make errors that lead to goals. Mm-hmm. You know? Can we can we speak about as well the effect it probably has on the coach, which is meant to be the key link to the players, obviously, because they're, you know, being an adult themselves, they'll take in the information and, and the body language and the comments made from the parents and it could sort of put them under a bit of pressure in terms of how they act and take their focus off you know the game as such and and what they're trying to get across the players as well which i think then indirectly impact could in, impact the players and affect their sort of development within the game yeah you, you basically answered your own answered your own question yeah i think i think you know frustration as a coach is when parents get too involved technically, tactically or emotionally. Cause you can, cause once the child has lost their focus through their parent, very, again, it's very difficult to win them back. I remember when I was at um, an academy, I'm not going to name it. when I was coaching for an academy and we had an issue with um, parents in our setup about giving instructions so we we'd we'd, we'd have, we worked on something all week like um retaining possession from a throw-in and then you've got when the ball went out near the parent side and you've got parents saying oh throw it down the line when actually we've taught 
something completely different the whole week. You yeah. Know? And because the because the players were young and the the players were over that side, they, they they're going to listen to their parents. Mm-hmm. So I think I think a massive a massive problem for coaches is parent instruction and behaviour. You know, um, but on the flip side, there's nothing better when you're coaching that you have full support and everyone's got that buy-in from a parent perspective because that that way you get that positivity from the coach player and parent and that's when that's when good things start to happen mm-hmm. no i totally agree yeah no that all makes sense i think it's interesting just listening to you talk talking there right about you know when i at the start spoke about sort of my experiences with my dad and and it always comes from such a good place with parents that they just want the best for, for the for their child but it is interesting how sometimes that comes across and and how differently it can come across for different people yeah yeah again everyone's different and and also um it's learned behavior isn't it so hmm. m- most of the time if if our parents were like that growing up we're, we're gonna copy it's reinforced behavior isn't it mm. so that's why that's why hopefully podcasts like these and, and some of the stuff that we've done over the years would have influenced not only the people listening but also the people that they tell because yeah. behaviors mirrored so people always want to kind of mirror good behavior in my opinion I'm, I'm just looking at a picture in front of me now of Messi and suarez you know, as as parents watching their children play in the Barcelona Academy when they were there, and they're 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 on two deck chairs chilling out in the sun. The coaches are coaching. You know, and you got two of the best players in the world there, not not saying a single word. I I was I was going to leave this till the end, but but it, it sort of sprung to my mind when we first started talking about this this conversation. Just another experience for me when I was growing up, um, a lad in the same team as me, so same age group. His dad was uh, an ex-professional footballer. His granddad was an ex-professional footballer. Um, I think his dad still manages now. And the difference between my dad and the other parents and him was was just completely different. He kept himself to himself. He stood on the side. He didn't have too much to say. Um, and again, I'm not saying that's perfect, but I just think from from somebody who's been around the game as much as he had, he kind of looked at things completely differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, potentially. You don't know how he acted behind closed doors. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I just think looking back now, he, he, I don't know whether it's because he's been around the game as much as he has, but he, he kind of did almost seem to sort of step back away from the the um, the sideline as such. I, 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 th- I think, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think mo- most dropouts in sport for kids are about 13, 13, 14 years of age because they don't enjoy it anymore. Mm. Now, us as parents, if we are part of that problem of that them not enjoying it, we have to shoulder that responsibility. So, if if you feel like you need to change your behaviour on the sideline and make small changes, try a few things out for the benefit of your child staying in the game longer, then it's an absolute no-brainer, isn't it? Mm, definitely. Is there is there anybody else who um, could potentially be affected by? parent sort of mid-game behaviour do you think uh well i think i think teammate um teammates of your children mm. you know um I don't, I don't think anyone should have a should be giving feedback to anyone else's child unless it's really supportive and positive mm. um i don't see there's any need to communicate with 
um, opposition players, you know, regardless of if they've put a challenge, I don't think you should react to a child. Um, there's obviously there, there can there can be arguments, can't there, with with opposition supporters? But again, again, step away, try to refocus, don't lose your head. Um, there'll always be mouthy parents out there you know that again they're there for their own child they're there to protect their own child and, and some people overstep the mark but again if your child sees you arguing with opposition parents it it's not it, again it's not best practice but the big one i think is, is the referee isn't it mm-hmm. yeah for sure um, you know um we aren't always going to agree with the referee's decision um as parents you know don't forget that you as parents are biased on the sideline. You you want the best for your child and your child's team. The referee's only human. They're going to make errors as well. You know, yeah. again, if, any, if anyone's going to have a little moan at the referee, leave it to the coach. Because, mm. again, think about how that referee feels when he's got a touchline of parents, you know, slagging him or her off and, and you know, shouting abuse. That's, gonna, that's not going to make them perform any better. And then... When you think of it deep down, if if the referee's getting abuse from one set of parents, decisions are going to go the other way, naturally. You know, so again, you're not really setting a good example for your child or, again, it's not it's not best practice. So, again, I, I know there's different circumstances and your child might have had a, suffered a really bad injury or bad tackle, but how you behave in them situations is down to your personality and your calmness and your you know process processing exactly where you are in the moment because you don't want to be making some rash decisions or rash rash phrases or do anything that you regret later on it, mm. uh, it, it's really really hard it's really really difficult yeah no it is it is but i i think like like you've done with with these before i know obviously we're doing it on the podcast form but I think it's it's good for parents to just have a listen and 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 just try and I don't know even maybe take a step back and think about what they do and don't do and and um, just evaluate more than anything and and then like you like we said at the start it's that sort of um, trial and error what works what doesn't. I agree. I agree. And we're all in the same process together, including me. There's there's times when I've thought, yep. I parented that really well today, and there's also times when I thought, Ryan, didn't you didn't handle that as well as you should have when your child was playing? So again, we're all on this kind of learning journey together. But if we're aware of best practice, we know we've got something to strive for. We're never going to reach it. We're never going to reach it. But you know, if we can help ourselves and help others that are around us and spread the word of positive parenting from touchlines, then that that's. That's great, in my opinion. Yeah, Matty, we've got all this uh, parenting on the touchline to look forward to at some point in the future. I uh, I don't think my <laughs> child will be going into football. Oh. I'll be a different avenue. Big, <laughs> big remark. But yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll stop it there, guys. Um, obviously, we'll get this sent out to all the parents. But thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Matty. And thanks to all the parents for listening. Um, yeah, obviously, if you have any questions at, at any point, feel free to get in touch with, with any of us three and, and we'll be more than happy to help. So... Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you later.